and the chain of narrators rely on these which contains a facet Sometimes you bring your family, your beloveds, your close social or spiritual illnesses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the 59 people you have killed so far was one of the companions of Al-Imam Al-Baqir One of the most important tasks of the universal pulpit of Imam Hussein and the member of Imam Hussein is to illuminate the lives of individuals through the Holy Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a special emphasis on the fact that the Holy Quran works as a torch of enlightenment in the lives of individuals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Inna hadha al-Qur'ana yahdi lillati hiya aqwam. This Qur'an is indeed the greatest form of guidance and enlightenment, the greatest form of huda. And of course, if we want to examine the Holy Qur'an, we would have to know the tools in which are used in order to explore the Holy Qur'an. The Holy Qur'an is indeed not a book that we grab like any other books. We open the book and we begin to read. And while we read this book, we make certain judgments and assumptions about what our understanding is of the Qur'an. Indeed, it's a book much deeper in meaning and in essence than ink on paper. Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi He introduces us to the deeper essence of the Holy Qur'an amongst his very last wasiyahs wills in the last days of his life. He begins his wasiyah by stating Allah, Allah fil Qur'an. La yasbiqannakum al-amalu bihi ghayrakum. When the Arabs wanted to make an extremely important point, they would repeat the name of Allah. So he says, Allah, Allah. Bil-Qur'an. Take care of the Qur'an. Give importance to the Qur'an. Then what does he say? لا يسبقنكم العمل به غيركم Do not allow others to precede you in implementing the principles and the teachings of the Qur'an. What are the principles of the Qur'an? What are the teachings of the Qur'an? Amongst the teachings of the Qur'an is equality. It's justice. Honesty, bravery, generosity, seeking knowledge, brotherhood. And the list of virtues of the believers mentioned in the Quran continues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent this book to perfect our akhlaq, our moral standards. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says, Ma bu'ithd. مَا بُعِثْتُ إِلَّا لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ I was sent as the final messenger of Allah 
with the final revelation with the Holy Quran to perfect the moral standards of human beings. I was sent to perfect the akhlaq of this world. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen says, do not allow others to be the first in order to implement the principles of the Quran. Then he continues and he says, فَهْوَ الْجَلِيسُ الَّذِي لَا يَكْذِبْ وَهْوَ الْعَادِيُ الَّذِي لَا يَضِلْ The Qur'an is the friend which never lies. The friend which never lies, meaning some of us, we have many friends. Most of the time they're truthful. And sometimes they exaggerate. And sometimes they do lie. This friend, when he lies to me, this lie coming from the person whom I trust will deviate me from the right path. This friend will then act like a mirage. What's a mirage? He tells me there is water here. I'm thirsty. I go to drink the water, but there is no water. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, this friend of yours, the Quran never lies. It's always truthful. And he is the navigator, the Qur'an is the navigator that is always accurate. What do I mean? I mean many of us travel nowadays by car. We put in an address in the navigation system. The navigation system says make a right, then a left, make a U-turn, take this freeway, take this exit, you've reached your destination. 99% of the time it's accurate. But there's always one or two percent of the time that it takes you to the wrong road, takes you to the wrong house, takes you to the wrong street. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, this navigator always takes you to your destination, to guidance. Then he continues and he says a beautiful statement. مَا جَالَسَهُ إِلَّا وَقَدْ قَامَ فِي زِيَادَةٍ أَوْ نقصان. Every person who chooses to spend time with this Qur'an gets up with an increase and a decrease. You spend time with the Qur'an, there's going to be an increase. You spend time with the Qur'an, there's going to be a decrease. Then he continues and he says, زِيَادَةٍ فِي هُدَى وَنُقْصَأْنٍ فِي عَمَى An increase in enlightenment, increase in guidance. And a decrease in blindness. And a decrease in confusion. Many people, they're confused all the time about most of the aspects of their life. Spend time with the Quran, this confusion will be removed. This uncertainty will be removed by the Quran. You will receive special enlightenment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he concludes by saying, And at the Day of Judgment, this Qur'an is an interceder. It is a shafi'ah. It stands up in the Day of Judgment. Saying, Oh Allah, this person gave me importance. This person read me. This person took care of me. This person implemented me. Send him to paradise. Huh? 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also projects another scenario where the day of judgment, the Quran says, O oh Allah, inna qawmi takhadul Qur'ana mahjura. Some neglected the Quran. They didn't give importance to the Quran. The Quran was also only a decor in their house. They went to the Quran when they had a wedding ceremony. They only went to the Quran when there was a funeral. They only went to the Quran to kiss the Quran before they went on a trip. That's the only time they used the Quran. They never decided they're going to open the Quran, read the Quran, understand the Quran, and implement the messages of the Quran. It complains in the Day of Judgment. Now amongst the task of this universal and holy pulpit of Imam Hussein is to illuminate the lives of the Mu'mineen by the Holy Quran. Amongst the areas where we need to concentrate on is the fact that Allah states the Quran is a cure. The Quran is a cure. وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءُ وَرَحْمَةُ Allah says this Qur'an is cure for illnesses. Now you have seen many societies, many countries, especially developed countries, they fight illnesses in an extremely serious manner. When there is this fly, swine flu, they'll fight the swine flu. Mad cow disease, they'll fight it, they'll take it seriously. HIV, they won't let it spread. AIDS, they'll make sure they stop it. They spend millions, not millions, but billions of dollars to eliminate disease and illnesses. Some countries, they won't even allow you into their land, into their borders, if you do not have a health certificate. They say, you, for you to come to our country, you want to make sure you're disease-free. However, there are metaphysical illnesses as well. Spiritual illnesses. The Qur'an makes reference to spiritual illnesses. And if this Qur'an is a shifa, is a cure, then we ought to look at some of our spiritual illnesses and seek the cure from the Holy Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses many spiritual, metaphysical illnesses within the Holy Qur'an. Social illnesses within the Holy Qur'an. Today, I'd like to speak of one of those oftenly seen, oftenly witnessed social or spiritual illnesses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hujurat, chapter 6, states, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, in ja'akum fasiqun binaba'in fatabayyanu, in tusibu qawman bijahala. فَتُصْبِحُوا عَلَى مَا فَعَلْتُمْ نَادِمِينَ Oh you believers, oh you mu'mins, if a wicked person comes to you with a piece of news, make sure you investigate this news. Make sure you question this news. For you then will accuse a person, a family, a community wrongfully, and you then will face regret due to your own actions. Number one, when and where was this verse revealed? Number two, why was this verse revealed? Number three, the fiqh surrounding this very important ayah and how it pertains the science of hadith. 
Number four, how did Bani Umayyah use rumors in order to destroy, in order to fight the religion of Islam? And finally, number five, how can rumors spread and destroy an entire community? This ayah begins with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. I'm pretty sure many of you are familiar with this notion. I won't take much time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins some verses with, Ya ayyuhalnas. Some verses, Ya ayyuhalnabi. Some verses, Ya ayyuhalrasul. Some verses, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. To quickly cover this area, We'll say when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to Rasulullah as a Nabi, as a Prophet, He speaks to him, Ya ayyuhan Nabi, qul azwajika wa banatik. Ya Rasulullah, Ya Nabi Allah, tell your wives, your daughters, and the wives and the daughters of the believers, for example, to observe the hijab. Right? This is an act. You're a messenger, conduct the act. You're a prophet, conduct the act. And another ayah, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal rasul. You have a message. You are a rasul. What's a rasul? A messenger. Now you have a message. Deliver the message. He doesn't tell him, Ya ayyuhal nabi. He says to him, Ya ayyuhal rasul. You have a message. You're carrying the message. Balligh ma unzila ilayka min rabbik. Wa illam taf'al. And if you were not to deliver this message, if you were not to deliver this package, it's as if you have not delivered anything. Imagine, of course, this example we give, but we're not using this example towards Rasulullah our beloved, with all due respect. Imagine you call a, you order a pizza, they'll bring you five slices, they'll take two slices away. Say, well, you didn't deliver. You didn't deliver. Someone calls and says, listen, I'm sending you a thousand dollars. Well, such and such person, he comes, he brings you $800. So where's the 200? You didn't deliver. Allah here says to him, وَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلْ فَمَا بَلَّغْتَ رَسَالَتَهِ So he sometimes speaks to him in the language of being a messenger. Allah sometimes speaks to all of humanity. And those usually those verses were revealed in the holy city of Mecca. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ But then there are specific verse Allah wants the attention of the believers. He says, listen. You believe in Allah, you believe in Rasulullah, you are the mu'mineen. I have a message for you. See, sometimes you speak to everybody. Sometimes you bring your family, your beloveds, your close ones. You say, listen, I have a special message for you. Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. So we know that this verse in Surah Al-Hujurat was revealed in the holy city of Medina by the beginning language of this ayah. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Then, why was the verse revealed? After Rasulullah gained power, many people came, they entered the religion of Islam, many tribes came. Amongst the, tri the tribes that came were Bani Mustalaq. They came, Al-Harith came, the head of the tribe, he entered the religion of Islam, all the tribe members came and they gave allegiance to Rasulullah, they said their shahada, they went back. Al-Harith, he said to Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, it's hard for us to come to you once a month, twice a month, to bring the zakat, the khums, the money that we have collected. So I would like to ask you for a messenger. Please send us a messenger. We will give the money, the wealth, the, the zakat, the khums that we have collected. We will give it to this messenger. The messenger will break it, bring it for you. Very good. 
a month later, maybe two months later, I don't know when, Rasulullah said to his messenger, Al-Walid ibn Utbah. He said, Walid, go and collect the revenues, the money from Bani Mustalaq. Walid, he went to a neighboring village. He sat there, he rested, he slept, he came back the next day to Rasulullah. Did you bring money? No. What happened? He said, I went. They attacked me. As soon as I told them I am the messenger of Allah, the messenger of Rasulullah, they attacked me. They wanted to kill me. Ya Rasulullah, they don't even pray. Ya Rasulullah, they don't even have masjids. Ya Rasulullah, they're not even Muslim. When I told them I'm here to collect the money for Rasulullah, they wanted to kill me. Some companions were there. They said, Ya Rasulullah, they dared to disrespect your messenger. They dare to, to disrespect the person you have sent to them. Let us kill them. Let us join an army. Let us prepare an army to go and force them back into the religion of Islam. And that was a big chaos. Rasulullah said, hold on. Wait, wait. Allah reveals this ayah. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O you believers, in ja'akum fasiq. If a fasiq, a wicked person comes to you with a piece of news, investigate. Don't believe this news. Ask. Question. Because you may wrongfully accuse a community. So Rasulullah sent whom? Amir al-Mu'mineen. Couple of folks. They went. That was a masjid. They were praying. We are the messengers of Rasulullah to take the revenues. Here's the wealth. We have collected it. We have kept it away for Rasulullah. Did, the, did Walid come to you? No. You didn't see Walid? He never came. He never spoke to you. He never came. He never spoke to us. They went back to Rasulullah. So some of the companions who began to accuse them were regretful. How did we say, let's go kill them? Let's annihilate them. Let's destroy them. They're thieves. They're not Muslims. They became regretful. How is this ayah? I want to say this between parentheses. I know the time is very short. But may Allah bless you all. Imagine a person who has been entitled, he has been given the virtue, huh? the virtue of a fasiq according to the Quran. He's called a fasiq. The verse was revealed stating that this man, Walid, is fasiq. Uthman, the third khalifa, he came and he placed him as the governor of Kufa. Our brothers and sisters, of course, we respect everyone. The way that the followers of Ahl al-Bayt and the scholars of Ahl al-Bayt have taught us and will continue to act upon this principle as we examine what people have done. We say this person has done this. This is what history says about this person. We evaluate them according to what history tells us. Popular history tells us. It's not that we are picking on certain individuals, but how can you come and give the city of Kufa and the wilaya of Kufa to a man that the Quran calls him Fasiq? So some historians, they say, no, it's because he did Tawbah. Allah accepts the Tawbah from everyone. So by then he had done Tawbah. <laughs> what Tawbah? He prayed Salat al-Subh for Rak'ah. They went to him, they said, O oh, Amir, you have prayed Salat al-Subh for Rak'ah. He said, would you like me to increase? Maybe I can do five, six, 
was this ayah used in the world of fiqh by the fuqaha. Very simply, the ayah has a message. Every news that comes to you, you have to investigate those carrying the news to you. Today we have thousands upon thousands of hadith. Every hadith has a chain of narrators. We look inside the chain of narrators. 10 people, 15 people, 20 people, 25 people. The ayah tells me and you, this is a piece of news from the ma'asum. Investigate the news. Look at the chain of narrators. See which one of them is truthful. Which one of them is adil? Which one of them is sadiq? And which one of them is fasiq? The one piece of news or hadith which contains a fasiq must be rejected. It is then entitled as da'if. And the da'if does not come in perspective according to this ayah. So our ulama, our maraja', our fuqaha have extensive books of rijal. It's called Rijal al-Hadith. Many. Sayyid Bahar al-Ulum has one. Ayatollah Khoi has one, Ayatollah Mamagani has one. Many of our scholars came and they wrote the name of every companion of Rasulullah, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Imam Hassan, Imam Hussein, Ali ibn al-Hussein, Muhammad ibn Ali, Ja'far ibn Muhammad, and they continued. Every one of them surrounding the Ma'sumeen, they wrote their name and their biography, and in the end they concluded, Thiqah, trustworthy, not Thiqah. Kathab, liar, Wadda'. He's the one that places, fabricates hadith and places it in the books. Their biography is there, their conclusion is there. Now sometimes some people ask me, Sayyid, what's going on between the maraja? Why do they have differences? I remember I was in a community and I was next to someone who fortunately claims knowledge. So they asked this question. They said, how come the maraja have differences? This person said, yes, because sometimes the maraja, they find things differently. They sometimes don't, one of them sees a hadith, one of them doesn't see a hadith, one of them this, this is a long explanation, all meaningless, truly. I said, brother, one of them, every one of them, how can the maraja not see a hadith? Do you know what a marja is? A person who spent 40, 50, 60 years, 60 years not studying, teaching. Go to Qum today, there is a class, 3,000 mujtahids. The discussion is carrying on. Every hadith will be covered. There is no way the hadith will not be covered. Every marja, not marja. But the students and the students of the marja will have to read and examine the hadith, the rajal of the hadith. So where does the difference come from? The difference comes when this marja finds one person in the chain of narrators reliable, it will affect his fatwa. And the other marja says, this person according to me and my standards is not reliable. So that also affects his fatwa. So both see the hadith. One of them says, this person in this chain of narrators according to me is the other person says, according to me, he is not thiqa, so I reject this hadith. And that's where the differences come. Anyhow, so it has a big effect in the world of fiqh. Some of the companions are the elites of the sahaba of the imams. 
their hadith is muwathaq. They're the elite. Their, their hadith is almost like a, a golden chain. When the mujtahid sees this hadith, he gives the fatwa with full confidence, knowing that such individuals are in the hadith. How did they reach such a status? One of them is Muhammad ibn Muslim. Muhammad ibn Muslim was one of the companions of Al-Imam Al-Baqir, Imam Al-Sadiq, and Musa ibn Ja'far. Three Imams, he narrated hadith from them. In the time of Imam Al-Sadiq, he was imprisoned. By whom? Harun Al-Abbasi. Harun Al-Rashid. Oh, Harun Al-Rashid. You have to read his history. History of blood, killing. He had a minister by the name of Ibn Qahtaba. He says to him, Ibn Qahtaba, what do you have to offer to us? He says, I offer you myself, my wealth, my children. He says, get out of here. None of this is good for me. There is, I have many children. I have much wealth and I have... He says, I offer to you myself, my wealth, my children and my spouse. He says, we also have this. What else do you have to offer? He says, I offer you myself, my wealth, my children, my spouse. Look at this Khalifa. And my religion, my faith, my deen. He says, okay, now we have a deal. This is the Khalifa. So he, Ibn Qahtaba, this minister, is leaving. He says, where are you going? You have a task. Didn't you just sell something to me? He says, yes. So go execute the task. They took him. He opened the door. He saw 20 young teenagers. They gave him a sword. They say, kill him. Why? What have they done? He says, what? What's stopping you? Your faith? And was sold. He takes out the sword. He beheads 20 young teenagers. They take him to another room. Middle-aged men. Kill them. Why? What have they done? What's stopping you? Your faith? It was sold. The third room, he opens elderly men with white beards. He takes out the sword. Now he's reaching the number 58, 59. The last one says to him, do you know who we are? Do you know what you're doing? This is Harun al-Rashid. He says, no. But the Khalifa Harun al-Rashid, he told me to kill you guys. He said, the 59 people you have killed so far are all Sayyids. The children of Rasulullah. What is our crime? What have we done? Ibn Qahtaba, what will you tell Allah on the day of judgment? I took a sword and I beheaded the children of Rasulullah. So he began to shake. He was afraid. And what are you doing? What's stopping you? Allah, religion, qiyamah, you've sold this. He kills the 60th person. So Harun al-Rashid brings Muhammad ibn Muslim. This companion, he says to him, give us the name of the Shia. Who are the Shia? Who are the head of the Shia? He says, Wallahi, if I had their names, I will not give them to you. Not going to give them to me? Take him to the judge. Now imagine the Khalifa sends him to a judge. This Khalifa has a judge. Look at the judge. The judge says, you're not giving us the name of the Shia? No. Okay, 1,000 lashes. 1,000 lashes? In which religion? By which law? 1,000 lashes, 250 each time. Look at the history. 
say Muhammad ibn Muslim was blood all over every time after the 250 they say do you want to give the names no I will not jeopardize the life of any mu'min I will not jeopardize the dignity of any mu'min 1,000 lashes, he still did not give names. They imprisoned him for 15 years. 15 years of patience, 15 years of iman, 15 years of sabr. He becomes Muhammad ibn Muslim. When the ulama find him in the hadith, they say this hadith is gold. As Muhammad ibn Muslim. Huh? Now the ilm al-rijal, according to this ayah, is not in only the school of Ahlul Bayt. It also belongs to the other schools. So they come and they examine individuals. They say, this is person is muathaq, this person is not muathaq. Let's take this hadith, let's not take this hadith. Where is the problem? The problem is when someone like Umar ibn Sa'd becomes muathaq. I was reading today, Ibn Hajar says Umar ibn Sa'd is muathaq. Even though they accuse him of killing Hussein, but he was only the chief of the army. He never killed Hussein himself. He was the chief of the army. Meaning that his crime is less than the person who killed Hussein. Therefore, he's okay. We'll take his hadith. Imran ibn Hattan who praises Ibn Muljam will take his hadith. But Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq, we won't take his hadith. Now what surprises me, huh? what surprises me is when the film comes out, The Innocence of Muslims, are so upset, they're burning buildings, they're killing people, they're writing articles, everybody's furious, they're upset. Do you know that 80%, 90% of this film is from the books of the Muslims? They showed Rasulullah doing very disrespectful things, but this is in the books of the Muslims. It was not from the books of the Jews or the Christians or the non-Muslims or the Kuffar. It's in the books of the Muslims. And Imam Hussein salawatullahi wa salamuhu Brothers and sisters, you have to know your value. The value of a Shia, the value of a follower of Ahlul Bayt. People gave their blood like Muhammad ibn Muslim so that you can hear the legitimate hadith of Qala al-Baqir, Qala al-Sadiq, Qala al-Ridha. This doesn't come for free. People gave their lives. Years and years of agony. For you to know what Imam al-Sadiq and Imam al-Baqir said. And for you to be protected against the filth and the lies. Go look at the other books. Compare your books to the other books and see what legacy you have. This does not come for free. Today we see millions of people walking towards the shrine of Imam Hussein, huh? Don't we? We see millions of people. Even some pictures, very... I mean, some things you see in those pictures, you cannot even explain. I saw a picture of a crippled kid, handicapped kid, 12 years old. And one of my family members had asked him, is this your first time? He says, no, this is my fifth time. Crippled, handicapped kid. How many people are in wheelchairs? Thousands. One of my uncles was telling me an old lady came. She said, Sayyid, 
I have come to Karbala all the way from Basra, 600 kilometers. I walked. Last year, my four boys in the way to the ziyara, they were martyred. They became shaheed. This year I came. I hope that one day I also become shaheed for Hussein. Huh? There is people begging the zuwar of Imam Hussein, the visitors of Imam Hussein, let us massage your feet, please. You're the visitors of heaven. You're the visitors of paradise. Huh? Now what, what have we done? We look at them. We say, bless them. They walk 600 miles. They go, they give their children, they give their kids, they give their wealth. We look at them, we're proud of them. Do they look at us, the followers of Ahl al-Bayt in New Jersey? They say, we're proud of them. Look at what they have done in there in America, what the Shia have done. It's pointless for me to walk from my home to here. No. You sit in your car, you come. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, living here, we become so greedy. Greedy with everything. With our time, with our wealth, with our... Everything we have, we hold so tight. Why? Just like others, we're responsible. Just like Muhammad ibn Muslim and other companions, they went through... They were terrorized, they were killed. Just like your brothers and sisters in the past couple of nights in Afghanistan and Pakistan and also. People, the news reached me a couple of days ago, yesterday, that Saudi Arabia has canceled all flights to Najaf. People have paid money, they have gotten visa. To go to Imam Hussein, we cancel all their flights. Look at the Nasabeen, the Dhalameen. May Allah curse them inshallah. If those people were going to gamble, if they had gone, excuse me, to sin, they sell them, go, we give you even upgrade, go to first class. But since you're going to visit the grandson of Rasulullah, Al-Husayn ibn Ali, Sayyid Shabab Ahl al-Jannah will cancel your flight. So what did they do? Did they stop? No, they drive into Bahrain with their cars and they fly to, Kar to Najaf. Nothing will stop the followers of Ahl al-Bayt. To love Ahl al-Bayt, to give towards Ahl al-Bayt. But let's not be fooled just because we live here. We have a lesser responsibility. Huh? This is the fiqh of the ayah. Third, how did Bani Umayyah use accusations and rumors in order to fight the religion of Islam? Many times. They called Rasulullah Majnoon. They called Rasulullah Sahar, magician. To a point that people were afraid to even listen to the Quran and Rasulullah. They say, as soon as you hear him, you're going to become Muslim. So people would not listen to Rasulullah. Abu Sufyan, the father of Muawiyah, the grandfather of Yazid, he fought Rasulullah. His son fought Amir al-Mu'mineen. His grandson fought Imam Hussein. Now regardless of this, he had gone to a trip in the third year after Hijrah on a business trip and he realized he has stolen so much from the Muslims that once he leaves with this caravan, the Muslims might come and take the money from them. So as soon as he reached, he left the city of Mecca. He stopped in a corner. He had a slave. His name was Demdem. He called him, Dum Dum came, 
He said, rip your clothes. He ripped his clothes. He slapped him around. He took some animal blood. He put him on Dem Dem. He says, Dem Dem, go to Abu Jahl and go to the Mushrikeen in Mecca. As soon as you walk in, shout, why, why, this, that. They say, what's wrong with you? Say, Muhammad attacked me. I need help. Abu Sufyan needs help. And this is exactly what he did. He went in. They said, what is wrong? He said, Muhammad, his companions, they attacked me. We need help. Abu Jahl then sent him an army of 1,000. Go. If Muslims are attacking you, prepare yourself against the Muslims. Look at the rumors. Another time was in the battle of Uhud. Battle of Uhud. Hamza, when he was killed, they began to shout, Qadmata Muhammad. Muhammad has been killed. Some of the Muslims, what did they do? They dropped their weapons. Some of them, they ran away. And some of them, they not only ran away or dropped their weapons, they joined the opposition. Muhammad died? Okay, 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 we're back. Are we making this up? No, this is in the Quran. There are some things in the Quran, alhamdulillah, they cannot be denied. Muhammad is a Rasul just like Jesus, Moses, Ibrahim, Nuh. If he dies, his legacy might may continue his legacy has to remain with you his teachings but since now he's died you've gone back Allah and the Quran says you've gone back you've gone back to jahiliyyah and shirk then Allah says what you do not know is if you go back to jahiliyyah you do not Take away from the religion of Allah's strength. You do not weaken the religion. You do not weaken Islam. Allah has a special plan for Islam. But you're going to be the one that's losing. So they defamed and spread rumors in Badr. Again, when Amir al-Mu'mineen was murdered in the 21st and he was struck on the 19th of Ramadan, the news reached where? Sham. What did the people of Sham say? He said, Ali used to pray? We didn't know Ali prays. Now, many of us, we hear such sentiments. We hear this news. We become so upset. But believe me, sometimes, the way that Bani Umayyah used to create rumors, some of us are experts and we have PhDs in creating rumors. Astaghfirullah, Rabbi wa How does a rumor begin? Very simple. Very simple. Someone calls someone. He says, did you hear what happened? What happened? Such and such person, he got laid off from work. This is very small. He got laid off from work. Really? Why? I heard, for example, he, for example, did such and such act. And his boss, he fired him. And now they cannot pay for their home. And they're losing their car, their house, everything. Oh, really? Yeah. As soon as that phone hangs up, 
Two or three hours later, someone calls this person. Hey, how are you? What did you cook today? What did you eat? How was everything? Oh, by the way, did you hear what happened? No, what happened? This poor guy, he got fired from his work. Now they don't have payments to make for their house. They don't have to. Really? Oh, inshallah, we'll pray for them. As soon as this phone hangs up, we call someone else. We say, please pray for this person. He lost his job. They're losing their house. They're losing everything. Please pray for them. So someone here in the middle feels sorry. He calls them, Maulana, Maulana, do you know what happened? No, I don't know what happened. This brother, he lost his job. He's losing his house. He's losing his mortgage, his car. Please, in the Thursday night program, after du'a, come in, pray for them. Inshallah, they'll be safe. The Maulana calls this brother. Brother, we heard you lost your job. Maulana, I didn't lose my job. I heard you can't pay mortgage. No, alhamdulillah, pay my mortgage. I heard you lost your car. No, I still have my car. So what happened? I don't know, Maulana. I don't know what happened. So the Maulana calls the person. He says, what did you tell me? This guy is, is doing fine. Oh, really? Then I heard it from this person. Now this person is regretful, obviously. He calls the other person. The other person is regretful. The other person calls the other person saying, why did you give me false news? The other person also becomes regretful. Everyone involved is regretful except the person who obviously created the rumor. Why do people create rumors? Why? Number one, jealousy. You're successful. You're doing good. You have a beautiful family. You have a beautiful marriage. Some people, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَاهِ النَّاسِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَبْ وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي الْعُقَدِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ حَاسِدٍ It's شر شر You know what شر is? Evil. Evil of the حسود. They cannot see this person. He has all his family around him. So they have to destroy the family. It's jealousy. They cannot see this person successful. They have to bring him down. They cannot see this individual being, for example, successful in his community, enjoying a beautiful reputation, enjoying a good status. They have to pull him down. Jealousy. Number two, arrogance. People out of arrogance, they'll resort to creating rumors. Why? Because the arrogant wants to be the one on top. He cannot be number two. He cannot be number three. He cannot be number ten. He has to remain as number one. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, within the Holy Quran, He speaks of the mu'mineen, ibadur rahman, and He also speaks of those without belief. How do we know them? Does it say on their head? No. Allah says, وَعِبَادُ rahman are the ones who walk with humility. They don't walk like this. You know, brother, look in front of you. You're going to trip. They walk with humility. Luqman, out of all the advice, he chooses to give this advice to his son, Bunayya. When you walk on this earth, walk with humility, not with arrogance, as if you own this earth. As if you're above everyone else. So those individuals with arrogance, once they are threatened, 
by anyone else above them, then they'll resort to creating rumors. And third type of people are what's known as haters. Haters. Whatever you do, they'll still hate. This is a, a very famous word with the youngsters. I don't know if it's in the dictionary, but it definitely should be there. What do I mean by haters? Amir al-Mu'minin says, if you're going to be looking for people's mistakes, start with your own self. If you're going to be looking at someone in five seconds, you say, oh, look at this person, how he looks, how he dresses, how he spends, how he talks, how he walks. Look how he talks to his family. Looks, People are experts sometimes in finding the flaws of others. They cannot sleep before they, you know, they call someone, they tell them about mistake or, or a fault or some issue of someone in the family, in the community, something. They can't. Huh? So Amir al-Mu'mineen says, if you're going to look for problems, if you're going to look for flaws, if you're going to look for what is wrong with certain individuals, start with your own self. Are you perfect? Are you ma'soom? Do you not make mistakes? Start with your own self. Start perfecting yourself. You'll be so busy, you won't have time to look at others. And Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi alayhi says, whoever... Has a beautiful statement. He says, look, we're all... You're all imperfect. You all have problems, right? Once you're busy perfecting your own problems, Allah will conceal them. Allah will conceal our flaws. But once we become busy revealing the flaws of other people, Allah has a hijab. He removes the hijab. He says, okay, everyone now look at this person's flaws. So in order for me to protect myself, I have to protect others. In fact, Amir al-Mu'mineen would say, if you see someone doing something wrong, absolutely wrong, give him the benefit of the doubt. Say, maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe this is not the right time to speak to this person. Maybe, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. Try to perfect the flaws of others, not reveal the flaws of others. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.